I'm Marshall Kozlov. Welcome back to Counterbalance. On today's episode, Mike and I spoke with retired Israeli Brigadier General Asaf Orion about his new essay in Mosaic, No, Israel Isn't Falling Into China's Orbit. We discussed the Israeli-Chinese relationship, where it fits into great power competition between the U.S. and China, and further tensions as these conflicts continue to escalate rhetorically or otherwise. Hope you all enjoy this conversation. With us today is Asaf Orion. He's a retired brigadier general in the Israeli army, and he's one of Israel's most uh, uh, creative strategic thinkers. He's been working a lot lately on uh, on China, Marshall, and he's just written an article for Mosaic magazine on uh, Israeli-Chinese relations, telling Americans who are um, who are uh, who are starting to panic about it to to say, don't worry, uh, China is not going to take over Israel. Uh, Asaf, welcome. Hi, Mike. Thank you for inviting, and shalom. <laughs> uh, shalom lecha. Uh, Asaf, let me, let me just kick it off and say um, that uh, your article is very interesting. Um, I don't know if you agree with this uh, characterization, but you're basically telling Americans to Calm down, don't worry. Um, Israel isn't uh, uh, leaving America and moving to China. But uh, perhaps you want to uh, just quickly summarize for us what, uh, what your main points were. Uh, well, when, when reading uh, some uh, articles written in the United States, you get the impression that uh, really Israel is uh, uh, being overtaken by China, falling into China's orbit, uh, slipping from uh, the U.S., uh, uh, side uh, to uh, to the Chinese side, uh, we read that Israel has to choose, and and that uh, the whole uh, arc of history is taking Israel from the U.S. Uh, uh, let's say partnership or alliance towards China, which which is uh, I I would say far from the truth. Um, the the main uh, understanding here that we're like uh, the U.S. itself and its relations with China, we're uh, moving across uh, periods. Uh, we had uh, a period uh, since the 1970s uh, until the mid-2000s. Uh, then, I think, a very distinct period under Prime Minister Netanyahu. And uh, we're uh, now in the post-Netanyahu uh, time in, in a different period in our relations uh, with, uh, with China. I tried to uh, lay a factual uh, base for, for this argument and then uh, propose some uh, way forward for the U.S.-Israeli uh, relations uh, when at the background we see the great power competition. A couple of questions come to mind, Asaf. So the first would be, how would you actually describe then Israel's relationship with China? Israel's uh, relationship with uh, China is mostly economic. Uh, it's uh, unlike the US, China is not a, an, a threat to Israel, a direct threat. It's never been a, de a defense uh, threat in a sense, except some uh, arms uh, uh, exported to the region. It's not a military threat to Israel. 
And uh, that's a very important thing in the Israeli threat perception. Uh, on the other hand, it's an important uh, trade partner, uh, as it is uh, to America. Uh, and at the same time, we understand that uh, China is a great concern for our, uh, of our uh, greatest ally, uh, the United States. And also by reading across the world, there are some challenges uh, that every uh, nation dealing with China has to face. And, and uh, some of them have national security uh, aspects or uh, concerns with them, implications. So Israel uh, has to uh, try to find its way to have uh, a fruitful, beneficial and safe or secure relations with China. We'll get to those areas of um, uh, of strategic concern in a, in, a, in a moment, but before we do, let me highlight some interesting statistics that you uh, that you uh, that you uh, wrote about in your article. Uh, you noted that Israeli perceptions of uh, China are significantly more favorable. I'm talking about the pub, uh, the public uh, perception of China is significantly more favorable than the American public perception of China. But just like the American public perception, the Israeli public perception has has dropped um, in 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 recent years. It's not nowhere near uh, as low as the Americans' uh, perception is, but it has it has dropped significantly. What events have had that impact on the on the Israeli public? What what changed in their mind? Uh, the data you're uh, uh, talking about is taken from uh, two uh, Pew polls of uh, 2019 and 2022. And the interesting part is that uh, the road to 2019 uh, is actually a, a gradual increase of uh, supportive or positive uh, positions towards China during uh, the uh, last decade. Uh, until it uh, peaked somewhere between uh, 19 and, and uh, 22. We don't, uh, we don't know uh, when specifically because there weren't uh, polls in between. Uh, but after 19, when there's like a 20, uh, 20 something uh, points uh, drop uh, from, negative, from positive to negative, one should uh, think about, first of all, the, the uh, COVID. Uh, pandemic, uh, which is uh, still uh, uh, correlated, or uh, pe- people think about uh, China when when it's uh, uh, being uh, discussed. Um, definitely, the Wolf uh, War, uh, the Wolf uh, uh, Warrior uh, diplomacy of China, uh, uh, and possibly also the broadsides uh, that uh, China conducted against Australia and Lithuania each because of its own grievance as China had it. And beside that, you could read our media, more negative reporting, the U.S. own position. And at the same time, okay, in 2019, Israelis were, let's say, 66% positive on China. And in 2022, uh, it uh, dropped to uh, 48, but uh, we should remember that uh, the Israeli uh, positions on on uh, America uh, are like 83% uh, positive, like one of the most positive countries uh, towards uh, the U.S. Uh, globally. Uh, 
So I think we, we need to uh, look at how the positive positions uh, were built and then how they uh, were degraded all the time, keeping in mind that the popularity of uh, America in, in Israel is very high. I'm really interested in this idea of Israel possibly having to choose between the U.S. and China per the critics' arguments you're citing. What do you think of the idea of having to make a direct choice versus attempting to find reasonable ground between? Uh, it, it sounds uh, great on uh, publicity, saying you have to choose. But in fact, the U.S. itself doesn't, uh, doesn't uh, face a choice or of either trading with China or uh, bring, uh, bringing up the drawbridge and hiding behind the moat. Uh, even uh, uh, Secretary Blinken's uh, policy, uh, when, when it was discussed, uh, was actually a three-piece uh, policy of cooperate, compete, and counter. So in this sense, the U.S. itself does huge trade with China, while it's, uh, it, it sees it as the main threat to its national security and its main peer competitor uh, and the top of, of the priority list of the uh, national uh, uh, security strategy. Israel doesn't need to choose because it already uh, has, has chosen the U.S. is its strategic ally and it's irreplaceable. Uh, it's not that uh, uh, China is there to replace it or that Israel is seeking to replace America with a better ally or any alternative ally. But the choice between uh, do you still trade with China or you have a strategic alliance with the U.S. is a bit uh, manipulative. Like, uh, since when do you need to uh, choose between your uh, family and your grocer. It, it's not really a fair argument, although it sounds fantastic. Yeah, you, you, I mean, you make a good point when, uh, when, you, when you say that the United States itself is not, uh, is not choosing. And uh, you can see that uh, in, in many areas, including areas that have national security um, significance. Now, you argue that the area where we need to be most uh, vigilant, most concerned, working to cooperate is the realm of uh, high-tech cooperation, uh, and in particular high-tech um, industries that have uh, national security um, uh, applications. Uh, how do you – This it's very hard for those of us who don't have security clearances and who aren't uh, directly involved in government-to-government -government relations to understand – what the challenges are specifically. I mean, it's very easy to understand the general challenge of, of limiting trade with China and uh, and and walling off, you know, walling off those areas of uh, those high tech industries that have um, uh, national security implications. But doing it in practice becomes very difficult. How do you evaluate the current state of um, Israeli-American negotiations on this subject? And what sense do you have of the areas that, um, um, that remain uh, difficult? And, you know, what's the, what's the agenda going forward on that? Do you have any thoughts? Yeah. I thought that uh, we need to focus on tech against some uh, places where we might uh, get distracted. Like much of uh, what we read in the press is about China and Israeli uh, infrastructure and on uh, investment uh, uh, oversight 
and uh, on uh, 5G. Now, 5G has never been a story uh, because uh, we have no Chinese components in 4G and 3G in Israel, unlike all the Five Eyes uh, members. Uh, the, the infrastructure have uh, limited, uh, um, let's say, influence or security imit- limitations as long as you manage the dependencies and, and uh, let's say, cybersecurity issues, maybe espionage, but that's not a major thing. When we focus, and we focus because reading the National Security Strategy of America from 2017, the next one uh, we hear is, is about to, to be uh, published, but 2017 said China is our main uh, competitor, technology is at the heart of American prosperity, and that's actually the high ground uh, for which the two powers, uh, at least, uh, are, are competing. Now, it's not a secret that uh, China is interested in Israel's uh, uh, technology because our partnership is called the same year that the National Security Strategy uh, was, was published, the same year Israel and China signed a comprehensive innovative partnership. That's China telling us we are very, very interested in your technology. And now the, the uh, truth or, or the challenge is to focus on the right uh, technologies to protect, which in America itself, it's a work in progress, and on understanding how China uh, may get access uh, to technology, both in America and in, uh, in Israel. Now, uh, there are very good experts on that in the United States. Uh, some of, of them are our colleagues. Uh, working together on things like that. There's an excellent uh, book uh, that is called Beyond Espionage, uh, China's uh, Quest for Foreign Technologies. Uh, it, is, uh, it describes like 30-odd uh, methods of how China may get access to technology uh, on its way to uh, technological independence and uh, economic development and so on. And we need to be smart enough uh, to check which of those are relevant uh, to our countries and how uh, we uh, mitigate the risk of those. At the same time, our uh, industries, uh, both in, in America and Israel, would like uh, uh, to have some business with uh, China. Uh, most of the Israeli high-tech uh, industry actually goes west and not uh, east. So Silicon uh, uh, Wadi flows to Silicon Valley and not to Shenzhen, most of it. And uh, we, we need to, to understand how to mobilize and rally those who need to protect their uh, technologies from the illicit and unwarranted and unagreed uh, un, uh, parts of China's uh, tech uh, transfers. We've spoken a bit about technology, but you also write in your piece about the infrastructure side of critics' concern of the status quo in Israel. Can you speak about the relationship between China and Israel when it comes to infrastructure? Yes, since 2006 or 2007, China began uh, uh, to to show involvement in uh, Israel's uh, infrastructure. And in the middle of the last decade, uh, this this involvement uh, peaked. Uh, China comes with a very impressive, um, uh, let's say, construction and, and uh, contracting uh, um, capabilities. They get things done 
in a very impressive uh, way and in good uh, costs. Uh, the writing about it uh, from the outside tends to bundle, out, uh, bundle up um, both construction uh, projects like building the Ashdod um, port and then leaving and going away and operation uh, uh, contracts like operating the Haifa port, Haifa Bay port um, pier actually uh, in, in Haifa for 25 years. Now, another bundling up is comparing the Haifa port, Haifa Bay port, uh, with the Piraeus port, which is under uh, majority control of a Chinese company, and Hambantota, which uh, was leased for 99 years, including sovereignty issues and naval uh, implications. Ch uh, Haifa Bay port doesn't include uh, naval options or military uses on, on Israeli sovereign uh, land. Um, so when we, when we look at it, there was a surge in 2015 and 19 of uh, serious participation of uh, China in Israel's uh, uh, infrastructure, mostly transportation, but also uh, power and others. And then since 2020, we see a decline, a serious decline. And it seems that Israel uh, now uh, tries to balance better the uh, economic potential and the infrastructure uh, uh, advantages against uh, possible national security issues. Asaf, um, if, if you were uh, alone with the prime minister and there were no Americans listening, what would you warn the prime minister about with respect to China? What I mean to say is that um, you know, the, t the tone of your article was, uh, um, again, I'm paraphrasing, um, you know, A, Americans, calm down, we're, we're, we're not unaware of your concerns and the threats, and we're handling them, uh, some of them we're handling quietly, uh, we're handling them in our way, uh, but a, a lot of the criticism is really, uh, really unwarranted. Uh, but, so, if the Americans are not in the equation here, and you're just talking Israeli to Israeli, how would you describe the threat to the prime minister and what would be your primary concerns right now? I, I would, uh, as, as you started uh, saying, Michael, um, I would say the following. Indeed, the, from national security aspect, China uh, poses two, kind of, uh, two kinds of uh, challenge. Uh, one is implications to our strategic relations with America. And this is uh, much about perceptions and not uh, just about what we do or what there is. Because uh, America's threat perception of China is much more alarmist and justifiably, uh, justly so uh, and than, than Israel's. So first, like the, the severest damage is uh, actually to our strategic uh, relations with America. That being said, the indirect, uh, the, the, the indirect challenge has also uh, uh, additionally a direct challenge. And the direct means that we need to take care of our uh, technology, not losing defense technologies, cutting edge technologies, uh, future, our future economy may be uh, reliant on, on these uh, future emerging technologies. Uh, we need to uh, be careful not to 
be under the sway of China in, in terms of dependencies and reliances. Like we can't be uh, solely reliant or over, overly reliant on, on Chinese uh, aspects of economy. And uh, we see, just as Russia is using gas on Europe, uh, China knows how to uh, use its own economic tools against others. And, and we need to diversify just as a general strategy. Uh, uh, third is a question of uh, influence, like how China influences other uh, countries, including Israel. And you see some indicators, but not very uh, uh, heavy. And of course, uh, espionage and, and cyber issues. Of all of these, Israel needs to protect itself. That being said, we need to take it into proportion and scale. Our number one existential issue is Iran. Uh, China is not a defense or military problem, but it's a security challenge and a security concern that we need to take care of. At the same time, it's also an economic partner that we want to continue and develop economic partnership. We need to, to remember, yes, uh, Israel uh, uh, traded, let's say, $18 billion uh, worth with China in, in last year. Uh, America, uh, the same sum of about uh, 18 or 15 uh, billion was November uh, 2021. Uh, that, uh, that, uh, that's America's trade. And when we look, you know, in a comparative manner, Israel is the least exposed to China from all five eyes members. And, and the first reason is that we don't have a Chinese community here. When, when uh, the CCP in China look at and use uh, uh, Chinese communities as a springboard uh, to advance their goals. That's not to say that every overseas Chinese is serving the party. But the party wants every uh, overseas Chinese to be obliged to serve it. This is something we don't have in Israel. Uh, Chinese don't vote here, nor uh, are they being elected. So when, when you look at the scale, we, the, some of the reason I'm saying we need to come and work it in an alliance mode, in a partnership mode, uh, uh, in, a, in a prudent and smart and, and brotherly way, uh, we should do it because the proportions and the scale is, is uh, not alarming in Israel. Like we can't compare the level of exposure in Israel uh, to the level of ex exposure in the U.S., the number one target for uh, Chinese efforts. Uh, at the same time, I'm not uh, uh, preaching uh, complacency. We need to do our homework, learn the problem, uh, study deeply and come up with, with a genuine uh, uh, let's say, suit of uh, responses which uh, will uh, both take care of our own uh, concerns and also assuage America's, I'm sure. Here's something I'm wondering as I'm listening to you here. All this conversation about China, technology, semiconductors has to be weighed in the context of a possible conflict over Taiwan and the status quo in the Asia Pacific. Given those tensions, but also the fact that we're having a Middle Eastern-centric conversation here. What should the United States expect from Israel when it comes to their status as an ally in these possible times? 
It's a very interesting uh, situation in which uh, America is, uh, is trying to uh, pivot to Asia. Certainly, the Indo-Pacific becomes a new uh, focus uh, region to, to America. Uh, and as you, as you uh, traditionally said, oh, but uh, we're talking with an Israeli, so we're discussing Middle East. Actually, a first uh, important step is to understand that the global competition like uh, America and, and China uh, is global and not just uh, regional in the Indo-Pacific. There is uh, um, the, the great power competition uh, in, in, uh, is, is also waged in the Middle East. Uh, we hear about uh, Chinese inroads to uh, the Emirates, to Saudi Arabia. Uh, our, our discussion here uh, is, is uh, dealing with uh, China's uh, relations with Israel and so on. At the same time, Israel is active without calling it uh, Indo-Pacific. It's very active in the Indo-Pacific. It has fantastic defense relations with India, with Japan, with Korea, with Vietnam, with other nations, and so on. So, in fact, without calling it this, uh, Israel is actually doing uh, uh, building a partner capacity uh, that America is also doing uh, for the same uh, uh, with the same partners, I would say. And on the Middle East side, I think that as uh, America is trying to reposture, and that doesn't mean leaving the Middle East, which is a a common uh, rumor, but false. Uh, Israel can certainly uh, take some burden off uh, our allies' uh, shoulders. Uh, we've already been doing that. We're uh, helping with intelligence, which about the Middle East, we're quite uh, good, like world-class uh, level, safeguarding uh, U.S. lives, not, not only Israel's, uh, but also helping with uh, defenses of uh, the Abraham Accords uh, countries, of other uh, neighbors around us, of the peace uh, treaty countries, uh, Jordan and Egypt. So Israel is actually uh, providing uh, public security goods in, in the region. And I think in this uh, sense, uh, uh, sharing some of the burden that uh, America is trying to release itself or relief itself off. I, I agree with, uh, with everything you've said. Uh, but your comments about uh, Abraham Accords partners and the Gulf states in general, uh, I think, uh, points to what my number one concern is regarding uh, China and the Middle East. S the specific uh, bilateral relations between China and Israel um, are not the number one concern. Uh, and in fact, they're not even the number two concern. But what's really alarming, I think truly alarming from my point of view, when you look at uh, China and the Middle East and the American, what you're calling reposturing, uh, is the extent to which China has entered into the hard power realm in the Gulf. Um, many people in Washington uh, continue to talk about China and the Middle East as if all China wants to do is extract resources and engage in trade, and it has no security interests whatsoever. Uh, but we learned that uh, we learned that uh, China was going to build a base 
in the United Arab Emirates last year, uh, but uh, the United States twisted the arm of the Emiratis and prevented the base from being built. The the base, I don't I, the the report that came out on this, which was in the Wall Street Journal, I think called it a military facility. It was a base, and it, um, I, I know from my own sources, it was a naval base with an air base attached. Um, China already has a base in the Middle East. It's in Djibouti. That gets coded in, a, in Washington as an African base, but it's an African base that's 20 miles from Yemen. So it's a, it's a, uh, it's a Middle Eastern base. And I, I think Israel is probably the only country in the Middle East. I could be wrong about that. If it's not the only, it's one of a very, very small number uh, for whom China is not the number one trading, tra- trading partner. So when you look at the fact that China was going to build a base in the Gulf, that it is uh, selling drones, military drones, to every American partner uh, in uh, in the Arab world, that it is co-producing ballistic missiles with the Chinese, uh, I mean with the South, with the Saudis, Saudis. Yes. that is all very. Yeah, I said. What did I say? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, with the with the Saudis. That's all. That's that's very. That's truly alarming, don't you think? I, I would uh, go step by step about China's hard power. Uh, China, the important thing, there's uh, this displacement theory that China will fill the vacuum that America leaves behind. China does not provide security guarantees or services uh, to partners in the region, and, and we need to internalize it. Just watching, you know, September 2019, when China's comprehensive strategic partner, Iran, was bombing uh, China's comprehensive uh, strategic partner, Saudi Arabia, in Aramco, and China, uh, well, sufficed uh, or, or satisfied itself by calling both sides to come, that's not a security guarantee. And we know that the Gulf uh, countries... Even what America provided at that time seemed insufficient to them, but they weren't oblivious to the fact that China doesn't really uh, provide security here. Uh, that being said, definitely China, uh, since uh, it's, uh, at least its military strategy of 2015, is writing and talking about protecting overseas uh, interests in far seas, uh, since 2008, there is a counter-piracy uh, task force, naval task force, in in the uh, uh, in the area of uh, the Arab Sea and uh, near uh, near uh, Somalia and, and the Horn of Africa. Uh, there are uh, port calls. This task force is also exercising uh, naval exercises with uh, uh, with Iran. Uh, Djibouti, you mentioned, it started as a logistic uh, support place. Now it's a full uh, naval uh, base, and you mentioned Port Khalifa, and we need to recall uh, Gwadar, and uh, reportedly maybe China provided some anti-drone um, systems to the UAE after uh, it was attacked uh, from Yemen uh, using uh, Iranian-designed uh, 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 weapon systems. So definitely China is looking into uh, a larger military presence to protect what it sees as its uh, local uh, interests. Israel looks at it as, as another uh, great power uh, in the region, like we look at Russia as a, 
as a neighboring military that you need to take into account. When we fly in Syria, we need to uh, take uh, Russia's presence into account. When we sail in the Red Sea and beyond the Red Sea, we of course need to take care, uh, uh, take uh, China's uh, presence into account. So it, it fits into our uh, situational awareness. It's not a threat because as I said, we don't see China uh, threatening Israel in a military way. It's not a good thing, uh, we, we think, that uh, America's shadow over the Middle East seems to be shrinking because uh, the, the source of uh, light of America actually allows a small Israel to cast a very large shadow. So we enjoy uh, America being perceived as strong and resolved and, and uh, powerful in the Middle East. So we, we have every interest to, uh, to preserve this uh, situation in which America is a security guarantor, it's the most coveted one. And uh, yes, when, uh, when there is demand that is not being answered, China provides UAVs. Are they the number one uh, uh, item on, on the wish list of, of our regional partners? I think not. They would rather have uh, U.S. or Israeli uh, platforms, but they buy China when they can't uh, have uh, the better ones. So Asaf, we've really hit a bunch of different points on the China-Israel relationship and how the U.S. fits into it. What are the broad takeaways that you would offer for the audience who's looking to have a great just thing to come off of with? Uh, it, it's very attractive to read about this contract and that uh, uh, technology and so on. But zooming out, uh, we need to, uh, to look at the uh, big picture. The big picture is the challenges uh, that Israel and America face about how to upgrade or take their partnership and alliance from uh, the era or the period of the global war on terror to the age of uh, great power competition. Uh, the, the main uh, field in which we can uh, support each other is technology. And uh, Israel can be a huge asset for uh, America's technological um, edge uh, in this uh, global hegemony. And we've seen also the, the harbingers of, of that uh, spirit. Because on July 13th, uh, President Biden and the Prime Minister Lapid uh, jointly declared a, a dialogue, high-level dialogue, a strategic uh, dialogue on, on advanced uh, technologies. This uh, uh, dialogue will allow, uh, if uh, properly pursued, uh, better cooperation and a new alliance of innovation and technology between America and uh, Israel. Uh, both advancing our common edge against our respective uh, uh, um, challenges or enemies or problems. And at the same time, it will uh, provide a platform to discuss trusted uh, technology ecosystem, which uh, the, the first uh, word of which is trust, reestablish trust, and then address uh, the, the uh, gaps or our concerns uh, together in a partnership uh, mode, which is uh, b usually brings us uh, to our best. Uh, you know, I think that um, 
cooperation on on technology could not just if if it's done well and if it's successful it it can go way beyond just uh, improving U.S. Uh, Israeli relationship, the U.S. Israeli relations, and ensuring uh, ensuring uh, cooperation in the technical fields going forward. There are a few other countries uh, in the world that are as technologically advanced as Israel and technologically advanced in weapons systems and tied to the United States. So what I'm trying to say is that this partnership, if it is, um, if it's done correctly, could become a model for the U.S. relations with just about every other uh, major uh, uh, major ally um, in in the world. Because the hard thing about the the competition with China, unlike the competition with the Soviet Union, is that is separating out uh, normal trade from strategically significant trade. We never had that problem with the Soviet with the Soviet Union, um, and it's not an easy thing to do at uh, at all. If the mechanisms can be set up, um, uh, uh, and they can be sufficiently flexible uh, to account for the fluctuations in uh, the inevitable fluctuations in trade. Um, then that would be a that would be a great service to uh, to the United States and to the world in general. But that's that's just a statement. Let's let's move beyond China now, Asaf, and um, let me ask you a little bit about uh, a couple of other issues going on in the world. Uh, there are two that are uh, primarily on my mind. Uh, one of them is uh, Iran, and the other is Iran. Uh, but uh, maybe a third, Iran and and uh, um, and and Russia. Um, let me just get your sense of um, where, where at this moment it looks like the talks on the uh, between the United States and and Iran the, and uh, the other partners to the JCPOA have stymied, and we're not going to be seeing a re- resurrection of the JCPOA anytime soon. But that doesn't mean the Iranian threat uh, really recedes in any way. From my reading, it doesn't look like the administration has a plan B about what to do if the, if the JCPOA is not resurrected. Uh, what's it look like from Jerusalem? Uh, well, um, most of our uh, government officials uh, prefer uh, not to have a bad deal and, uh, and wait for a better deal to, uh, to emerge. Uh, regardless of a deal or a no deal, uh, the, the question is less uh, which administration uh, has a plan B or not. But if we go strategic from the purpose to the ways and means, <coughs> excuse me, uh, we understand that uh, we have uh, a, a common vow to, uh, to prevent Iran from achieving nuclear weapons. That means that we need to try to delay them as much as possible and to be able to prevent them at any point. That means that both for Israel, for which it, it's an existential uh, potential, and for America, the question is how do you stop it once Iran goes there? Saying diplomacy is the first result, yes, if it works, it's fantastic. But even going back to the JCPOA means that somewhere in the uh, 2030s, uh, Iran is then legitimately uh, able uh, to enrich and to go uh, forward and to uh, uh, put its hands on on, uh, significant quantities of fissile materials. Which means that at some point in history, even if it's 10 years from now, you need, will both need 
uh, a capability to stop them if they uh, decide to go forward and weaponize. Uh, uh, the question of whether there is a deal or isn't right now in 2022 is a question of whether you need those prevention capabilities much earlier and uh, both having them and willing to use them uh, to make sure that Iran doesn't get there. This capability plus resolve uh, may also uh, um, produce the deterrence that we uh, want to achieve uh, against Iran going there. So Iran will know that trying to get to a weapon will be a devastating experience, not only for their uh, nuclear project, but for the country and the regime as a whole. Uh, I, I think that's uh, the kind of thinking that we need to engage in. Uh, the, the negotiations themselves are very attractive. We talk about this article, about the open uh, uh, files, about the unaccounted materials in unaccounted uh, sites and so on and so forth. But the, the main question boils down to how do you prevent Iran from going to the weapons when they decide to? And, and of course, diplomacy is a good way to get them some distance uh, between uh, them and this aim, but it's not a backstop that will stop them if they try. And I think both of, of our countries uh, need to put together something, uh, a capability, a military option, a very credible one that, that can both deter and prevent Iran from getting there ever. I think that's a great place to leave things. Hit a bunch of topics here. Asaf, is there any suggested reading or other work you've put out that listeners to Counterbalance would get something useful from? I, uh, I suggest that uh, everybody who, uh, who wants to learn more about Israel-China, uh, I really recommend the uh, Diane and Guilford Glazer uh, Foundation Center for um, Israel-China Policy at, at the INSS uh, website. Uh, that's inss.org.il. Uh, 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 Israel's Institute for National Security Studies. And uh, we welcome uh, your uh, advice, responses, ideas on uh, how to take our uh, partnership to the next level and how not to make China uh, in into a, a souring uh, element in our uh, relations, but actually a springboard to the next generation of America and Israel uh, strategic alliance in innovation, security, uh, values, and democracy. Well, uh, that's a great place uh, to end it. What, what, a, what a nice statement. Asaf, uh, thank you very much for a very intelligent and enlightening discussion. And uh, we hope we can uh, come back to you um, whenever there's uh, more uh, news about China or anything else in uh, U.S.-Israeli relations. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. That's all we have here. Huge thank you to everyone for tuning in. Huge thank you to Mike and a huge thank you to Hudson Institute for supporting our work. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you.